Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Final Show Films. I'm John, your executive producer here. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I particularly want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash fsfilms uh, and our $20 tier supporters there, Drevy and Alexander Smith, Bates, Cat, Waterflame, and L, without whom we wouldn't be able to do nearly as much uh, as we do already. So thank you very much for all your support over the years. Uh, and if you're watching live, uh, please be sure to sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Grand Terra Shadowfront, where we offer our ardent uh, uh, thoughts and prayers to uh, Superior Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, and I'm joined by Jack. Oh, sorry, I'm Sen, and I'm your game master. I'm joined by Jack. Hey, everybody. I'm Jack. I'm playing Gent Minar, the half-elf and spell-slinger, who would definitely be arrested for uh, being outside of a uh, superior judicial persona's residence with many firearms. And Cody? Um, Cody, I'm playing It's from Valar, Hobgoblin War Wizard. And, Just fuck him in general. And Jeremy? Hi, I'm Jeremy. I am playing Sin, uh, a changeling warlock. Uh, and I would like to take this moment to say, fuck Eddie Redman. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what movie I tried to watch today? I mean, if I mean, if he asks, I won't say no. He's cute. Yeah. Um, he is legitimately the most boring-looking basic. Sorry, I already went off on that. <laughs> and Mara? Hi, I'm Mara. I'm playing Titania Valkorian, a ladrin, uh, druid of the Circle of Grim Harvest. And Craig? Speaking of boring-looking basic, hello, it's me. Um, I'm playing Grumman Bellmender. The way of the drunken master dwarven monk. For some reason you're all quiet to me, and I don't know if it's my computer or my Zoom. Can't Anyways, Holly as well. I'm Holly. I am playing Vespia, the Tiefling Chandler. And William. Hi, I'm William, and I'm playing Valdez Stonebeard, the dwarven samurai, whose stand would be Amona Marth. <laughs> And as always, Black Lives Matter and trans rights are human rights, no matter how the state tries to criminalize us. Uh, when last we left off, the Steelhearts had, some begrudgingly, some less so, gone to visit Swiggle, the city of Pores, as it was the closest teleportable destination to where they had wanted to go uh, into the Shattered Lands, looking for an ancient sunken temple that potentially uh, held within it the secret to apotheosis. Um, I cannot hear whatever you're saying, Mara. Oh, also a grave? There's like a grave near here? That's yep, also Fiend Hunter's grave. grave. Also the Fiend go. Hunter's grave, which is somewhere in the area that they have no particular idea of where it is. Um, after spending some time getting to know the city, uh, Drummond is taking them back to his humble abode, uh, which as they approach, they see that there is a large galleon-style uh, vessel docked in the water behind the, the Bellmander home, uh, which Grumman recognizes as the continual reconstruction 
which is the ship owned and operated by his youngest daughter? Uh, youngest, uh, no, I think middle daughter. No, she, no, she is his youngest. Yeah, youngest daughter. Uh, Not youngest child, but youngest daughter. Lavinda. Yeah, exactly. Bellminder. That's where we pick up. You all have, you all have sighted both the Bellminder home and the ship behind it. Which, uh, as a reminder, the ship looks like it has been continually patched back together uh, by various means over the course of its entire life. Sorry, I'm and, just and, and here and here we have a practical example of the ship of Theseus. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh look, my girl's back home. Perfect timing. Well, it's been a long day. Come on, let's go in. Get your make settled. a make a per, make a perception check, Gint. Okay, visual. Yes. Cool. Watch out for accountants. Uh, I, I assume you're not. Uh, actually, I don't know. Are you just casually dropping the goggles onto your face every time I ask you to do that, even though you don't know why I'm asking you to do that? Or are you not? Oh, no. He permanently wears them. They're like sunglasses to they're, they're just on all the time. Yeah, no. He always has them on. Yeah. 100% of the time. <laughs> yep. He, he, just sort of, he just sort of habitually flicks through the vision modes whenever he feels like it. Yep. 24. Uh, you notice a couple things as you're approaching. Um, you notice that as you're, as you're sort of walking and you're sort of, like, sort of ab- absently staring at this ship, um... You notice what looks like a clockwork crab crawl up out of the water up the side of the ship, stop, produce some amount of tools and materials, and weld a seam on some of the patchwork before putting it back and crawling over to another spot somewhere nearby and pulling out some carpentry tools and uh, smoothing a burr and then putting those away. It seems like this mechanical crab is tending to the maintenance of the ship. And after seeing the first one, you now sort of look around. You see there's about a dozen or so small clockwork crabs uh, that are sort of scuttling around the exterior of the ship upkeeping it and sort of cleaning up some of the patchwork that's been done most recently. This from this distance, when, drones. from this distance, when you say small, are we talking like the size of Ghent or Grummond? Or are we talking the size of like a bowling ball or like, um, they, they uh, just trying to judge. Basically it looks, they, you would imagine that you could probably each one's probably the size of like a, like a dog. Like okay. a small dog. Mm-hmm. Beagle size kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, somewhere in the ether of dimensions around him, there's a little plus five interest in boarding this ship. Bling! <laughs> that goes up. This is this invisible UI that nobody can see. Right, yep, exactly. Yep, right. The person's like, playing okay. the CRPG. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> Keep getting the party when we get on the ship. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you all head in. Grumman, feel free to describe the entry to the Bell Manor mains. Um, you come in, and it is there is 
basically the entrance at least through which he leads everyone is into essentially like a big what would commonly be called a mud room if it weren't right on the beach what is basically a sand room um where there are um you know just a whole bunch of boots slogged into a corner um there's a washing up basin here tons of pegs and hooks for coats and hats and uh various outdoor things uh slung around and grumman uh come in and sort of gesture at those and say they uh anything that you don't want to be carrying around with you you're welcome to leave here of course we got more room for you uh as we go in and uh walking in it uh opens up into a sort of open plan living arrangement there is a um sort of sprawling comfortable area with uh multiple low chairs or cushions uh that looks like it could probably seat 20 maybe 30 people if they're pretty cozy with one another um there is uh an absolutely immense just cavernous kitchen um and um huge rack with various liquors and um a door beyond that that would lead down to a root cellar slash wine cellar um and then a few steps up off to the left of those two joined rooms um uh, it goes back sort of into the what you realize are would be the rocks and hills by the beach where the house looks like it's sitting next to it you realize from the inside it's actually built and dug back into those hills and there are sort of um looks like rambling hallways and you can see doors off there uh, and uh um Grumman says hey i'll just go back and uh get some of the rooms turned out freshened up for you but feel free to uh, make yourselves at home uh, for the moment. And uh, uh, Greta stayed uh, at the Broken Bell, right? We, yep. we came along and she was still there or did she come home first? Oh, no, no, she came home first, right. She left you guys behind because okay. you were having a talk about treasure hunting. So she's there. Right, right. Along okay. with the other, along with a, few, uh, a number of the other bellbenders that are there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would imagine... Although actually it's like it's like two in the morning now, so most of them are asleep. Most of them are asleep. I, if this is important, I would imagine that uh, Rachel um, Keg's uh, Keg's child is probably here, um, since Keg has fallen in with a bad crowd. Uh, most of the other kids have their own places, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, say, so just uh, you know, keep it, keep it down. Um, nothing too loud. Where uh, Billmenders are used to gongs ringing in the middle of the night to an extent, but uh, we don't get to look this good without a fair amount of beauty sleep. And uh, he will uh, just kind of gesture off at the kitchen and the chairs and then head back down the hallway to start getting um, a number of rooms ready. Uh, And uh, and he'll sort of stop and turn around and um, look at um, um, look at uh, Titania and uh, Valdeth and Ghent and kind of go three, two, one, one room. Gross. Um, and then turn and look at uh, Ithram and Vespia and say two, one, one, I guess. Ith- Ithram says one? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, 
They got it. Um, and we'll uh, go and pick sort of appropriately sized guest rooms that can accommodate uh, that number of people. Before you go, I don't remember who I am right now. Um, uh, I think you're your dwarf. The, the, am I my the, dwarf one? Okay. Yeah, the, the, one, yeah. the one that you used yes. to spy on yes. the Bellmenders. Yeah. Uh, 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 so he goes, kill. Josh. Um, adjoining. Doesn't matter. Great. Um, yeah, we'll give you um, Poppy and Lavender's old runes. Um, Figured since you were offering, I might as well. Oh, we've got a number of uh, only uh, only a dozen or so Bellmenders in town at the moment, so plenty of to, to plenty of spare rooms. Um, and he just kind of disappears off down so, the hallway. Drummond, as you go down and you're going to actually prepare some of the other rooms, you open up Lavenda's old room, mm-hmm. and you were ex- you're expecting it to be empty. Um. As you open it up, you you realize that it's not empty. In fact, there is a massive elephant woman just passed out on a bed that's decidedly not big enough for her, but she doesn't seem to care. Is it Dion? Yes. Oh, okay. It it, it passed out. Yeah, just, uh, completely zonked. Like okay. Um, come on, go. And we'll um, sort of peek in. Is, is the nature of our relationship such that Deanne would mind if I went in and sort of made the room a little more comfortable for when she wakes up, or would that not be she? She would. Be she would not mind at all. No. Okay. All right. So, so Grumman will will sort of step in quietly, um, maneuver the portions of of uh, probably take like some of the chairs and stuff and move them over closer to the bed to essentially expand the amount of soft surface space available. Um, uh, put a big pitcher of water on the bedside table and uh, do what he can and then uh, go back out softly and close the door. And then um, we'll, we'll check with, with realizing that some of the crew has apparently come ashore, we'll be a little more cautious in popping into the other rooms that he was planning to prepare. So as you're as you're as you're probably into some of the other rooms, um, you find not only are some not only it seems like about roughly half the crew is ashore. Um, okay. Several of them are still awake. Okay. Uh, as you sort of open a door, you you find um, you find uh, uh, Paula, who is this fairly tall, extremely well muscled um, simian creature. Uh, fair like like just looks like a looks like a monkey you know but looks like a oddly feminine monkey um who's just sort of like hanging upside down from the ceiling doing like leg curls uh to just doing random evening exercise when you open the door uh and she just looks up at you and goes oh hey Grummond. Oh, Paula, good to see you. I saw the ship outside. It's looking in top shape. Yeah, um, Maria's still on the ship working. I figured I saw the little scuttlers about. Um, listen, I've got some friends staying over. Um, don't want to disrupt, but uh, just so you know, there'll be some new faces about. Not all of them. Uh, not all of them Bellmenders. Officially. Unofficially, of course, they're all Bellmenders. You know how it goes. 
Uh, uh, if you're looking for Lavenda, uh, she, I believe she and Karma were having a drink out of the beach. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm, I will, I will certainly head that way as soon as I get everybody settled. It's been a, <laughs> it's been a rough few weeks. Good, uh, good luck with the rest of your uh, curls. Thanks. She, she, she just sure. inverted, inverted squats, basically. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so you find uh, you find uh, Pala in one room. Uh, you find uh, um, uh, Gigi in another room. Uh, another one that doesn't sleep. Uh, Gigi is this uh, four-armed insectoid creature um, that seems so, sort of like a praying mantis, but with four arms. Um, who is just sort of like uh, who seems to be very meticulously sorting some sort of like childhood knickknacks of one of the younger Bellmenders that don't that okay. they don't really like use or need anymore and just like sort of organizing on a wall um and uh da, 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 da. yeah you'll also you'll also find Halamarnia um who okay. is probably you'll probably actually find her after you do the uh after you do your rounds if you could go down into the cellar at all she mm-hmm. has just parked herself like underneath the stairs as deep in the house as she can just leaning against the wall passed out oh passed out yeah okay all right i'm not going to show her my new hands then. <laughs> um well again uh as long as the the relationship would would uh not be inappropriate we'll sort of do what i can to make that portion as comfortable as possible yeah pretty much the entire crew has uh, sort of treats Grummond as like their adoptive father to a certain extent. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I mean, and and I'm still going to ask within that because sometimes your relationship with your dad yeah. is such that you don't mind if he tucks you in, and sometimes you would prefer to have your own space. So yeah. Grumman has Grumman has had enough kids to know that some, sometimes it's going to be okay, sometimes it's not. So, um, and I think has a decent sense of which would be which. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so so with with the knowledge that they're all here yeah I, but we still have enough spare rooms for everybody right yeah you should still have okay all right cool uh so while grummond is off doing things the rest of you are uh hanging out in the den i think there might be as many bellmenders as falcorians possibly it's approaching the numbers which is rather impressive because you haven't had Basically, all of time in the Bellmender's case. Yeah. <clears throat> Prolific. Hmm. Can, can Grummond hear that or no? No, you're off in the back at this Okay, point. all right. Valdez, before we board the ship, I might need to go shopping tomorrow. What do you need to look for? He pulls out the gun, spins it, and reholsters. I don't think, if we're going to a sunken temple, that this is going to work well underwater. Well, the other one will. I mean, in its altered state, but then I'm just... It's It's made of flesh and spits teeth. I don't think you really have to worry about powder getting wet. I love that description. (laughs) (laughs) It's made of flesh and spits teeth. I'm a bit concerned, as it were, just for the range, power. The projectile will be boring its way through a much denser substance. 
in my experience, crossbows and the like tend to punk tend to operate underwater. Well, yes, but that's a low velocity projectile by design already. Compared to a bullet eye, but it they they tend much to... more mass, much less speed for transfer of energy. Whereas this one is much more speed, very little mass, which is going to make travel underwater. I, maybe I'll test it out a bit. I don't know. Give it some try. I think I think you'll be also both those weapons are magical. I think you'll be probably more successful than you're expecting. But give it a shot. Go swimming for a bit and see how they fire. Do that tomorrow morning, then, I suppose. Morning swim. Excellent. Okay, good. And if you, and if you need replacements, we can get you some hand crossbows to, to, to fiddle around with. I don't use crossbows. I've never used crossbows. I wouldn't be able They're to. just like fucking guns. Mechanically, he's not proficient in crossbows. <laughs> I know. Of any sort. <laughs> Somewhere, it's a different balance. There's a whole and a conversation about how very, very different guns and crossbows are. Somewhere there is the ghost of an Asmar who is just screaming at Valdith right now. <laughs> oh, are interesting. You assume ghost <laughs> because you haven't told me any different. And until you do, she's a fucking ghost. Fair, fair. <laughs> Wraith. No. Uh... <laughs> I need you to roll up a Wraith character for this D&D game. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, anyways. Any other conversations to be had in the den? Do we have anything else we need to do? The only other things I can think of are can we breathe underwater and can we make swimming easier? Uh, yes. No breathing underwater. All right. I can turn if, if we want. Uh, I can do uh, water breathing. I can help uh, Walk on top of the water. Other option. Um, it doesn't make you better at swimming, though. I don't think. Yeah, does anybody have freedom of movement? <laughs> uh, I can get that. I have to prepare spells anyway. So, uh, freedom of movement. Hang on. I think I have that one in my list. Um, or I could turn us all into something that can swim. I mean, there's also that. Awful choice. Uh, Second one would probably be helpful, especially if we're doing a group traveling. You know, steel hearts become the steel sharks. God damn it! <laughs> um. Yeah, where's freedom? I can't wait for Gent to be reduced to the intellect of a. It's shark. a fourth level spell. The fourth, thank you. It's much easier to find once I know. Yeah, I can take freedom of movement. Well, animal shapes specifically doesn't change your mental scores. Does it not? Nope. It doesn't. Oh, that would have been funny. Right. <laughs> all of a sudden, we just all fuck off as sharks. <laughs> <laughs> you're all like, hey, sharks. I'm smarter. 
think I think that's why it doesn't change mental scores is because they, they don't want to give parties the excuse of like, well, you're not you're as dumb as a shark. Everyone just goes in a different direction. Yeah, if I, I mean, also there's yeah, there are a lot of yeah. reasons. It would be it would become more offensive, I think, right? Yeah, exactly. That's my. No, I mean it's it's specifically you have to target willing beasts. So. Or willing creatures. Yeah. If I, mm-hmm. I can make sure I remember how all the spells work, and then tomorrow we'll be able to do that. Baleful animal shapes would be like a tenth level spell. <laughs> Turn that entire section of, of 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 people into just rabbits. You're all Cersei at that point. Mm-hmm. From Greek mythology, not from Game of Thrones. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. One. Greek Very... mythology, not Game of Thrones or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. There you go. There you go. Well, I'm sorry. Both the Game of Thrones ones and the Marvel Cinematic Universe had fucking Kit Harrington and Richard Madden running around following <laughs> them. It's true. And for very confusing watching. Anyway, that animal shapes, I can do that for 24 hours. Well, that'll at least get us from point A to point B. Yes. When the time comes. I won't be able to do much while I'm doing that, but... Hopefully we won't need to do much during that time, other than, you know, swim. It is a concentration spell as well. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what I mean when I say that. You can't do a lot of other spells with it. (laughs) Titania and her concentration spells. Titania gets yeah. hit. Titania gets bit by a bigger shark, and then you all revert back to your non-water breathing forms and drown. Hey, look, I don't think water breathing. Water breathing so, is twenty-four hours and does not have concentration. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can do that before. Well, also, revert it's a back ritual, to your so non-pressurized to forms slide. that explode. <laughs> you could guess. While you're casting animal shapes, uh, or before you cast animal shapes, one of us could do the ritual. Yeah. All right. Well, that's at least a plan to take care of the environmental limitations. Well, the normal environmental limitations. Yes, the 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 most predictable <laughs> environmental limitations. Well spoken. As we've established, there's plenty of other things that we can't really consider until we're out there. Random encounter tables. Random encounter tables. Uh, so after this bit, uh, Grumman, this is when you sort of get back to the group after having checked and, and, and prepared all the rooms. Hi everybody, everything's all set. Um, let's see, Ethram, Vespia, you're going to be saying, yeah, and he'll sort of take and show everybody to their rooms if they're ready to go. Anyone want a nightcap or a last bit to eat before you head to bed? I think I'll save my food for whatever your delightful household conjures for a breakfast. Well, you've not had, you've not broken your fast until you've had a bellmender break it. 
I'm looking forward to it. Sounds like a threat. I, I, for whatever reason, I thought you were going to go, you've not broken your fast until you've had a bell fast. <laughs> That's going to my brain. But then again, I just make, look. Belfast I, is in a much better situation than it is than it was when I was a kid. I just <laughs> Jesus Christ! I just make fucking ditties <laughs> as I go. Apparently, I will take something to drink before bed, though. Of course, um, anything in particular? Same. I was about to mix up something to bring out to. Uh, uh, to my lavender, um, I feel are up for something that might uh, might be served beachside. Happy to uh, make some extra for you, or I can make something uh, a bit more soothing for an end of the day. I'll take an extra nighttime margaritas. Hell yeah! <laughs> All the same, I I will take one as well. Of course, of course. Uh, what did Valda say? Uh, she said I'll take an extra glass of whatever you're making. All right, uh, when we get to it, and he goes over to the kitchen. Um, As he goes into the kitchen, there's just a random, like, uh, uh, just a random, like, uh, Hispanic rolled R musical sting. You know, that, that, arriba! (laughs) Dent is already in a bed and snoring. Uh, He's gonna get out and go to the room when he's got his book out. Nice. Like, hibiscus simple syrup, um, and... Um, you start juicing some lemon again. Like, the, the, ex- the extra arms pop out, and so he's got like two two of the arms juicing lemons. The other two are in the process of uh, of um, um, pulling out other bottles. And so in the end, he gets out some some bourbon, uh, adds the lemon juice to it. Uh, pours it over in a big pitcher over ice, adds some almond syrup, and then um, some hibiscus simple syrup. Uh, mixes them all together and uh, pours them out into a bunch of um, like wooden wooden glasses. Uh, well, not glasses, but wooden cups. Um, sort of coconut cup looking style. For um, some reason, we hear the Beach Boys Kokomo. Yeah, pretty much. Um and uh, uh, once it's all all poured out, each one has a little bit of ice in it, and uh, starts handing them out and puts a few more on a tray. Mm-hmm. Thank you much. Yours. Thank you kindly. Yeah. Hey. It's always a favorite for watching the sunset. We're a few hours late for that, but uh, no less delicious for it. Maldeth will sip on her drink while she heads while she heads to her room. I do like how well that was timed with me finishing my drink. We <laughs> all drink together. You all, you all have your um, drinks, have your rest. I, oh, yeah. I give two glasses to Vestia in case she wants to take one to it. She will. I have popcorn snacks that taste like all right. I have corn snacks that taste like corn on the cob, which is very odd. Yeah. I've had those. It was all in on corn in that box. Yep, very corny. I mean, it's the Shibuya box. There are several things that are corn or potatoes. Oh, you got a uh, box suit. Okay, yeah. Oh no, uh, Tokyo treat. No Tokyo treat. Yeah, these are these are um, Texas corn potage or potage. I don't know how you say that word. P o t a g. Potage. 
Reportage. Not a sponsor. And they're like it, it <laughs> like they look like they look like um corn puffs or like cheese puffs, but they taste like actual like corn on the cob. It's really weird. Anyways. Anything else before you all turn in for the night? Um Grummet is going out to, to see Lavenda. Yeah. Who absolutely you know, is overjoyed to see you. You see Lavenda and Karma. Uh, Lavenda, who you know who she looks like, we'll introduce her in a bit. Uh, and Karma, who you also know who she looks like, and we'll introduce her in a bit once the rest of the crew sees them. Um, they're just they're just relaxing. Um, you you sort of get you get the idea that they've just gotten back from a fairly lucrative um, expedition, and they've come back home just to repair the ship. Buy some more supplies. Gonna head out in the morning, or, or gonna head out in the morning unless something catches their fancy. At which point, I would presume you would indicate that they might, you might have a job for them. Yeah, Grumman will. I mean, assuming they're in the mood for comedy, if they're looking for just some quiet moments, then yeah, no, they're will just they're, drop they're, off they're the drinks. They are. Um, they're in a sort of a celebratory mood, so they okay. don't mind company. Yeah. Grumman will will get get as many details as they care to share of their recent travels, and then if there is, uh, once that's once he's found out everything that they're willing to share, uh, we'll fill them in on everything that's been going on with the Steelhearts, and uh, lead into the fact that you know we we have a sea voyage coming up. So they'll they're they're willing to sort of wait and hear out the uh, okay. before they take off. So great. Oh, you all get along with it. As Kokomo plays. Yeah. The sun slowly rises. Um, primarily, this is where, Gent, you realize that you fell asleep, or at least sometime in your sleep, rolled into not the greatest position as a sunbeam just hits right where your face is. Uh, the sun comes up. And it's worth it's worth pointing out that the the rooms deep in tend to have like cleverly filtered skylights. It's probably some mirrors arranged, cut into the hill. So there is there is sunlight coming into them. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, probably actually probably was not was not visible to Ghent until he woke up and was like, "Why the hell is there sun in my face? I'm in a goddamn cave." Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you all wake up to sunlight. Some of you more aggressively than others. <laughs> He does take a moment to sort of analyze. Oh, mirror. I mean, creative architecture. I'll give them that. Gent gets woken up by a sunbeam and like looks down, and there's Valdeth like sort of like one arm over his torso, just sort of stays right, yep. oh, yeah. mm. I suppose it is. Tanya's already dressed. Yes. It's a wedding dress at this point. Oh my. Did I miss? Are we late? Nope. Just woke up. Hashtag woke up like this. <laughs> oh. Well. Uh, you look magnificent, darling. Thank you. Ah. Uh, Worlds. That's you can see Gent doing a mental analysis. I'm going to have to speak to a tailor myself, I think. 
you want to describe the dress tomorrow um i couldn't i think he did it last time um but it's like i gave vague like yeah i think it's like a pale sort of like green like new leaves kind of green green and yellow um it's quite different from what she's been wearing probably recently because she, she mm-hmm. there's been some changes um it's, it's not nearly but, as practical yeah yeah it's kind of floaty uh it's got yeah like cutouts on the side it's real good yeah most of what i just got was like the accenting because it's very it's very clearly fey inspired with like um natural articulation and uh and leafing in certain areas to sort of it looks almost like you know how in Frozen uh Elsa just sort of like whipped a dress out of ice? Yes. That yeah. but leaves. Yep. <clears throat> vines. Yep. But yeah, no, get Gent is definitely making the Gent is definitely making the the fashion comparison and realizing that his now several years old formal wear from house Minar probably does not meet this standard of event. That's why it doesn't fit you anymore because you've put on a bit of muscle mass since then. I mean, that's also fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, when, when we were talking with dragon elemental guy and he put it on there, there was definitely less range of motion in it than he had previously uh, experienced. His his, his damn pecs! His damn biceps! (laughs) Yeah, Val, like, it's probably a sign of how much Valdeth has been doing lately, because she's still asleep and she's normally, like, one of the first ones up. Also, Titania's, yeah, been Uh waking up Mm -hmm. much earlier than normal, because actually, I'm used to it. Worth noting, just because of the way the lighting is and, and sort of the way it gets sort of, like, sort of trapped sort of in a sitting position at the moment, Tanya, you notice, not for the first time, but it's just, for whatever reason, more evident right now, Gent, with the yep. additional scarring and the additional sort of, like, weather-worn uh, that he's gotten over the past year, mm. very much an image of Adam right now. Like, <sighs> Adam but red hair and elf. Or yep. uh, half-elf more than human. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you. No. Mm? <laughs> <laughs> we could just. Is this one of those things where we're going to be on a ship and there's a ship captain and therefore they can. Or did you have a different strategy in mind? I have lots of strategies. I believe this. And and not breaking breaking eye contact at all. One of the hands goes down and just starts giving Valdeth a little bit of a shake. (laughs) Darling, (laughs) we have to have a conversation. Help, help. (laughs) Valdeth kind of like stirs awake a little bit, like morning and she kind of rolls over and sits up a bit and looks at Titania's dress for the first time 
I like the idea that Valdez sits up a little bit, looks at the person who shook her awake, and Gent just takes his hand and puts it on top of her head yeah. and rotates it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's a beautiful dress. Thanks. Shame it just makes me want to get you out of it. <laughs> She brought up an interesting point. Mm. Titania? Should we just get married? Now, without the whole big ceremony thing and, like, having invited a whole bunch of my relatives and everyone. Or we could just... Vala kind of ponders that for a second and like leans back into the pillow for a second and just sort of like points, looks at the ceiling for a minute and she sort of like thinks. It's, I know you... It, it, like, it's an impressive sight because all of her hair is loose right now so there's just like this blanket behind her of just her hair. <laughs> Valid. Um, yeah, after, after a while she sort of sits up a little bit. I mean, we could always do both. We could get married on a ship, just the three of us, just to have the experience of the three of us being married together and then have a formal wedding for everyone else to enjoy it later. Just the three of us and the crew and the rest of the Steel Hearts <laughs> and the show. No, no. <laughs> Did I stutter? <laughs> We're going to lock ourselves in the captain's cabin. <laughs> I like the idea that they're just going to eject everybody else from the ship. Right. And let them drown while you get, get married. <laughs> yep. That's a different conversation inside. We could, we could absolutely do both. I just did I mishear I like just offered to get the rest of the crew off. That's the joke again just made. This, I, I I heard it and then I added another word. Oh I didn't, <laughs> didn't hear the I didn't hear the other word added. Okay. I, I get get them off the ship. <laughs> Yo I like I like the mental image of the wedding barge just being towed behind the ship. They were like you all okay back there? They're like, shut up, we're alone. <laughs> yeah, we oh, absolutely could. I just I like the I like the idea of the ceremony. And I don't want I don't want to necessarily just throw that to the wind, but I do also like the idea of just getting it over with and having us married. <clears throat> so I can stop calling you fiance and start calling you husband and wife. Ah. Sounds like we have a first order of business for after we board the ship, then. And for possibly the first time since we've all gotten together after this year-end change apart, Gent seems to be genuinely, like, relaxed and happy about something. <laughs> <laughs> You're not coming through at the moment, Mara. Oh, uh, she's just... Titania's just smiling and fade to black. Fair enough. So, after a while, 
the rest of you all get up and get out and get around. Sonia, when you come out, are you still in your wedding dress or no? Um, yes. It's annoying to put on. It's annoying to move in. Yeah, (laughs) you know, I'm just going to leave that on. I'm good with it. Um, so you walk about, and yeah, and as Tanya comes out to see everyone, Tanya is in her wedding dress, or at least a wedding dress. A dress. What is very obviously a wedding dress. <laughs> All right. I feel like that was a strong drink last night, but I feel like it wasn't that strong. I didn't have anything to drink. Did I miss something is what I'm asking? No. No, yeah, you didn't. No. You know, my boy made that dress. Greta, look at it. Grumman and Greta are in the kitchen making just a huge, expansive breakfast. Oh, I can tell. I love the tailor and I love all the detail. It looks fabulous on you, darling. Thank you. You look lovely, darling. We were wondering if... A captain a bib? marry people. Oh, I, they can pretend I, to be a captain. Absolutely. I mean, it depends. It depends on who your captain is, but this one certainly can. Says an unfamiliar voice from the other end of the table. Um, you see, there is another dwarf. This one uh, stands actually stands a bit is a bit taller than Valdeth, um, but definitively thinner, like. Where Valdeth is very well muscled and broad, this one is well muscled but lean. Um, darker brown skin tone, auburn colored hair, bright green eyes. Sort of a. If she wasn't a dwarf, you would say her face still retains her childhood, you know, her, like her so that childhood uh, um, pudginess. But uh, she that seems like. Seems her face is just fairly sort of round and, and and soft, as opposed to the rest of her, which is fairly lean. Dressed in this sort of combination of partial leather armor and red and gold and blue, sort of like swashbuckling attire, um, with a feathered cap sitting off to one side, so that her her auburn hair, which is sort of tied back into a long um, Celtic braid. Uh, sort of hangs down her back and she's sort of leaning on the table eating food. And sort of looking at the group of you, sort of taking in the sight. Oh, uh, this is my youngest girl, Lavenda. Which raises her in. Uh, Pleasure to meet you all. Like Captain, Captain. Captain Lavenda Bellminder of the Continual Reconstruction at your service. Great ship name. Thank you. Stop my own. Maria came up with it. He's a fine vessel. At the ship we're thinking of going on, we need to discuss that too. I mean, I, I, took, I took the liberty of. Uh, uh, filling Lavenda in on uh, some of the background, but uh, didn't want to jump ahead on that discussion. So I figured we'd have it uh, take care of some of the details, but uh, leave leave that to all of you to decide whether it's uh, something you'd all want to work on. I also prefer Fair. to I also prefer to discuss business dealing over breakfast. So if you don't mind, we can wait until everyone's seated and had food. 
Absolutely. Just on the fridge. Good stuff. Continues eating what little bit of like seems like she's she either either Grummond and Greta you know sort of threw together an appetizer for her or some sort of small thing before the main before the primary breakfast or something she cobbled together herself. It's hard to tell from just looking at it, but um, um, Grummond will drift over to Titania and sort of lean into. Um, you look absolutely fantastic. Do you want like an apron or something? Oh no, I'm good. Oh. I love it. Oh, fantastic. Oh, person after my own heart. Here, uh, let me get you some extra sauce. Uh, and- <laughs> <laughs> Prestidigitation is a wonderful spell. <laughs> it is. It uh, is. I don't have it. <laughs> Only so as you, has it. As you mm-hmm. all sit down at various points, you notice the house is emptier than it was uh, last night. There, are, You can just sort of Sense the presence of less bodies, uh, Grumman. You know that the rest of the crew has basically returned back to the ship. They grabbed some. They grabbed some early morning grub. Uh, Deanne, Deanne helped herself to the kitchen uh, earlier in the morning to make food for the crew, um, and then the rest of them sort of re- rejoined the ship to get it ready to go. Um, because regardless of what happens, the ship is setting sail today. Um, so Lavenda's the only one left on uh, in in the in the house. Um. You all sit down. You have your breakfast. What are you? What are you? What are you and Greta serving them, Grummond? Um, like I said, I mean it's a pretty it, it's a pretty wide variety of things. Um, uh, a, a lot of eggs in evidence. You have things like um, you know tortillas and bean and um, egg and ham, like sort of a. Uh, Huevos, modepembos, the sort of style, and then there's um, uh, rashers of thin sliced bacon, and um, there's uh, like tripe stew, or more like a menudo on offer for anybody who had a little too much the night before. Um, a big old vat of French onion stew that was cooked uh, probably the night before and has just been sort of slowly simmering. Um, uh, there are um, uh, a, like big big vats of uh essentially different mixes of muesli and also sort of a kind of make your own there's porridge going for people who want meat in stuff um as well as a, a sweet oatmeal uh scuzz is with us right yeah scuzz and annabella but, are both with you all right so down sort of towards scuzz's end of the table is more the like belgian waffles pancakes and style of thing scuzz has in front of him basically like an alternating stack of like thick fluffy pancakes and then just like slabs of butter and it's like 50 50 um scuzz is is i would imagine slowly like encrusting himself with butter and syrup um so there, there is a uh, there is a wide variety, and Grumman uh, said, "And if you don't see anything you like, uh, just ask. I've got some biscuits coming out in a moment, and uh, I can put some fried bread on if anyone wants." You have so, some gravy with those biscuits. Oh, of course, of course, some bread. I uh, always put uh, just a little bit of coffee in to help wake you up. But the rest of it's old-fashioned sausage. Uh, oh, and speaking of drinks, we've got uh, coffee, water for tea. Um, we've got a uh, um, um, what would the equivalent of, of like Bloody Mary be? John, do you have a name for this this world? Um, 
Hey, Bloody Mary. Yeah. Okay, we go in a Bloody Mary bar. Um, oh, the Floody Fairies. <laughs> the Floody Fairies. I imagine. It's, I, 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 hey, I imagine. It's, I imagine. It's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I imagine it's a different. I imagine it's a different colloquialization for the drink for for most drinks, depending on where you're at. Um, yeah. Swiggle would definitely have access. Swiggle would like Swiggle would have access to all of them. So it might be a Bloody Mary, it might be a Red Cap, it might be, uh, you know, it 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 it, it might be a Ginger Mister. You know, there's a, there's a variety of things that you could that you could refer to it as. Okay. Uh, well, you're not allowed to serve Ginger Misters with soul food, so that probably wouldn't fly. Because um, we don't have them, right, Jack? point um but um yeah i mean and, not not natively we got the marks for all the ones that we you know eat but exactly. um so uh, and he says oh uh, something to keep in mind when it comes to sauces or additions and he indicates like the um more sort of the variety of sauces and salsas as well as pointing over to some of the mix-ins for the red cap bar it says you want to go from left to right as far as less to more spice, just just to be aware, don't dive in on the right hand side unless you know what you're after. Valdez immediately grabs one of the plates off the one one of the one of the one of the bits off the right hand side and just chows down. As is so, as you're all beginning to eat, you all notice that there is a there that there is something that wasn't in here the night before. Behind Lavinda, leaning up against the wall, is a large um, banner mounted on a pole. At the, top, at, the head of the, at the head of the pole, there is an eagle statue, um, sort of a, an eagle adornment, a sort of golden bronze eagle. Um, and the flag itself has this... Um, uh, uh, the flag itself is this sort of blue sky, uh, blue sky colorization with a with a sort of dis- distributed cloud pattern on the lower half of the of a sort of a twin of a twin tailed banner, um, with dwarven runes, uh, sort of sewn into the the blue portion. Which, for those of you that can read dwarven, uh, read uh, forge ahead, and in forge in the colloquialism of marching or pressing forward rather than the structure but but the pun is definitely there the yeah the pun is there but yeah it's it's yep. it's it's meant as like sort of a it's it's sort of like a, a charge like a rallying cry as opposed to a a joke um anyone that wants you can make a history check oh yeah do, do uh, i know what this is or am i like Grumman, Grumman, you don't have to make the check because you know okay Why? I get that good at history. Sheesh. Somehow. When you started talking to dead people. This is this is history that's <laughs> particularly uh, prescient to you. It seems. Yeah. But... Is that just for anybody that understands Dwarvish? No, no. This is anyone that's looking at the flag. Uh, anybody's interested? The bit at the top that's an eagle is called a finial. There you go. That's the one <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> what's up weird maryland flag laws <laughs> so, uh all of you know that uh there are th- th- flags have there everything about a flag has meaning um and in this particular case on in this particular section of sea uh, sort of amongst the these sort of the interiors the interior ocean between the the the, the three large land masses um a flag that is half decorated 
with a sort of a dispersed cloud pattern in this fashion uh, represents uh, LGBTQIA sort of a queer uh, uh, identity. Um, it's a pride so flag. It's a pride flag, effectively. Pi uh, uh, sailors or pirates that bear that particular adornment on their flag are basically indicating that their crew is entirely or almost entirely queer to some description. Our flag means pride. Well done. Well done indeed. So that's, and that's just sort of hanging, sort of like leaning against the wall behind her. Very deliberately placed, it looks, so that whenever you look at her, the flag is immediately behind her. It's like sort mm -hmm. of like a, you know, like a, uh, almost a, um, like a commanding position where the, you know, the, the, the symbol is behind the commander at all times. Right. Very much a, you can't miss this kind of, kind of positioning. Yeah. Like, this yep. is sort of, you know, keeping, keeping what they're about in line. So, I understand from your pa that uh, you're looking for a ship to take you out into the Shattered Lands in search of some treasure of some kind. Uh, a, a, a couple of things. There's a, an ancient ship that was lost in one of the upside-down waterfalls. So like, get the look on her face that's halfway between, oh, another one, and halfway between, really? And then there's an, also an ancient temple somewhere dead center that's deep beneath the waves. You're going straight to the heart of all the uh, nasty weather patterns. Gonna need a dab hand on a ship. And a dab ship, if I do say so myself. Uh, and, I've heard, and I've heard that that's you on both accounts. Well, he's not much, but uh, he is home. She says, gesturing out towards the, the, where the ship would be docked. And, uh, well, I'm always up for a spot of adventure. We were, best, we were just going to be setting sail ourselves later today to see what we could find, but if there's coin in the offering, I don't mind learning out my services. How much did you charge for this kind of venture? Well, we'll give you the old friends and family discount, she says, as, she's, as she is mentally doing uh, math while I'm looking up a chart. If there's a nuptials surcharge, you may want to uh, add that in as well. Oh no, you're, you're getting if you're paying for my services, you're paying for all of them. That includes anything I can provide to the lovely bride. Drummond will elbow Vespia, waggle his eyebrows. For <laughs> <laughs> the price of one. Wow, so sweet. Bogo. <laughs> <laughs> so wink at, at Drummond. <laughs> Uh, Got to look that down. Tin is just appreciating the innuendo in that statement. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. So friends and family discount. We'll call it, for myself and the crew, ten gold a day. We'll get you our services for anything that you may need. That includes sailing the ship, getting you where you need to go, protecting you in combat, lending our services where need be, providing local expertise. 
anyone that wants to can make a either a history or a we'll say either a history or a survival role to sort of gauge that price kind of better at the uh, at the last yeah natural one this is a great deal yep, natural one. <laughs> 26 20. i'm really annoyed that your nat ones are about in my range <laughs> the natural ones you have no idea if this is a good price or not Great deal. Um, Vespi uh, is about to just slam down some money. <laughs> uh, Sin, yeah, it's 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 hard to gauge, mostly because you don't work on a straight gold scale, right? You, what you are paid in is, at the same time, more expensive and also less valuable uh, than what that than than currency. So it's hard to it's always hard to gauge. They do a lot of dealing with people, but not in not in the sailing. You are paid in power, not in money. Yeah, exposure. Um, the, you paid exposure. <laughs> you, 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 oh God! Died of oh God! Warlocks, warlocks are paid are paid in exposure. <laughs> do ancient magics. Warlocks, warlocks are gig warlocks are gig workers. I mean, they are freelancers, so yep. that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. They're independent contractors. Uh, for the rest of you, uh, <laughs> that's about for the rest of you, that's about so angry right now. That's about half of what you would expect to pay for skilled labor basically. Mm-hmm. Like, you you'd, expect, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd you'd expect to pay for for like a full for like a full on ship. Um it's typically like a silver a mile or for like hired help it's like 2 gold a day. So, depending on how much, depending on how many people are on the crew itself, which you gathered aren't a lot based on dis- uh, based on discussions previous, she's giving you roughly a fifty percent discount on her services. I think that's perfectly reasonable. I'd be I'd be happy to I'd be happy to bankroll this venture. I I can if you need me to. I've got plenty enough to make what? to make this go. I might come across as biased, but uh, honestly, they're, they're one of the absolute finest crews out there. Coins good for it. coins good for spending, no matter whose po- no matter whose pocket it comes from. We pay uh, weekly installments, beginning of the week. Each service you pay up for the week. If you if you lose our services before the end of the week, we'll refund you the rest. Well, that'll pull out 70 gold and just sort of slide it across the table. Take it. And then you've bought yourself the services of the good ship, the constant reconstruct, uh, the continual reconstruction. He's a fine ship who's seen us through many a, many a, many a tall tale. So I'm sure he'll send through to your destination. Can Gent read anything into their choice of ship pronouns? Make a religion check. Ooh, that one field of study that I'm shit at. <laughs> 22. Based on her marking, based on like sort of her, her bearing and, and the symbology on her outfit, you uh-huh. gather she's a follower, uh, you gather she's a follower of uh, Valkyr. Okay. And for whatever reason, this came up in your historical study, um, Valkyr is canonically bisexual. Right. Um, most ships still have feminine pronouns, but it's not unheard of for Valky- for, for, for Valkyrian ships 
to mm-hmm. have masculine pronouns. And the, the reasoning provided is typically we're confident that he would enjoy having a male ship in his waters once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Legit. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever floats your boat. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> whatever scuttles your ship. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... That's uh that, that that's sort of the the, the the gist of what you get out of that, Gent. So that yep. uh, mm-hmm. the, the masculine pronouns probably means that if not if not the entire crew, at the very least the captain and whatever priest they might have aboard the ship are followers of Valkyr. Valkyr. Cool. And for anybody who's wondering, as Gent gets food, he kind of starts he he starts directly in the middle of the sauces and has been slowly moving his way very slightly right. <laughs> nice. Ah, so starting as a moderate but leaning right. Got it. Yep, only, checks only, out. No problems only, with that. Only, only in his food choices. <laughs> only in terms of spiciness. As people are getting food, Vespia uh, will uh, go over to uh, Titania and Lean in. Would you like me to do your hair? Yes. Whenever she's done with breakfast. Yeah, Yeah, whenever she's done with breakfast. Yep. Yes, we'll do her hair. All right. What do you do with her hair? Uh, What does she want? Um, Fire. (laughs) <laughs> that's not the only one that was thinking that joke um, the Hunger Games wedding I think she probably Wait. wanted to keep kind of like something of simple um, her hair kind of like has, has changes color uh, fairly frequently because uh, it's sort of the, the like green in it dies and uh, regrows again um, so I think something like braided low, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that kind of vibe. Okay. She'll do like a, a simple, like a double layered braid with like a solid braid going down the back. Is that how you say that word? I don't know. <laughs> I've only read it. Yeah, same. I've, I've only yep. read it and it's Chinese, so I've been afraid to try to say it Sorry, out loud. Which word? Uh, it's a it's a particular it's a Chinese word for a particular it's, like braided hairstyle. Is it Chinese? I think it's Chinese. It's like C H I something something something. C H I G N O N. That one. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I'm pronouncing it wrong. So. Chen Yan. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's French. Oh, it's French. Yan. Oh, oh, if it's Xin, French, then so it's Xin Yan. Yeah. Xin Yan. Yep. It's a Xin Yan. It looks that, like a that, Chinese word. That spelling equates yeah. to a lot of potential yeah. guesses at etymo- etymological ori- yes. origin. Yes. <laughs> Xinyang. Yeah. Xin- yes. Xinyang. Yeah. Aldous, so. do you want her to do yours too? Yes. Yes. She will offer the same to Bella. Um, As the hair's getting arranged, Gent vanishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, why not? And what does Velveth want? Uh, probably more of uh, like 
dwarven aristocracy um probably somewhere between a viking braid and a french braid just like very like close to the head like, like braided think... very tightly i like to think uh, pa- i like to think the page boy cut is very uh, is very popular in everstone just because everstone dwarves grow their hair so fast that it's a, it's an impressive amount of resources required to keep a page boy cut <laughs> <laughs> Only rich people can afford a page boy cut. Yeah, like it's like, <laughs> like all the all the all the dwarven fops look like really short, like um um Hercules era um uh God, what was his name that played um not Hercules but the sidekick, the gay sidekick. I forget. Mm-hmm. I know who I've you're talking about. But... Most of Hercules from my mindset. You say gay sidekick, I immediately think of Gabrielle. So I mean, right? that's mm-hmm. also true. Yes, but like, I think it was Eolus, wasn't it? Probably something like that. Uh, Eolus, yes. Michael Hurst. There it is. So like a, like a Hercules era Michael Hurst haircut. <laughs> Yeah, this this be able to do the the tight like Viking style braids on Velda. All right. Uh, so get where'd you go? Oh, we passed the tailor shop yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you you also uh, take your way to the uh, what was it called, uh, Craig? The um, the ubiquitous Feywearer. Yes, yep, the ubiquitous mm-hmm. Feywearer. Probably my dumbest pun. <laughs> the, oh, trust it, me, you've had dumber. No, well, I don't know. This one's okay. <laughs> it, a famous pub in Sigil is the ubiquitous Wayfarer. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that we're in Swiggle, which was granted my pun, uh, I think is already the lowest bar. <laughs> I you you gave me that opening, and I've just been attempting to dig deeper. Like, oh no, absolutely. I'm... We've been racing to the core. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. You get the ubiquitous Fay one, Fay wearer. Yep. If if it's open, just breeze yep. right in. It's open. The tailor is taking. He's taking measurements on some, a few people. There are people perusing the the various cuts and and colors, and he sees mm-hmm. you and. Uh, he's sort of uh, just, again, just sort of like fairly lean and doesn't look nearly as terrified as he was at night when the others were here. Also, he's recently received an influx of cash, so he's feeling really great. Right. Um, who uh, sort of just turns and, and 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 lets go of the measuring tape, which continues to measure the person he was holding it up to, uh, and walks over. Welcome to the ubiquitous fate. How might I assist you? Uh, yes, I'm a member of the Steelhearts. I believe uh, some of my compatriots visited you last night uh, in the company of your father. Ah, yes. And he lists a f- series of words that I can't do because I'm. this is not my industry that describes <laughs> the cut and styling of Titania's dress yeah. as, as an identifier for Titania. That sounds basically accurate indeed, yes. Uh... Apparently, there's going to be a wedding ceremony that I am woefully underprepared for and wondered what I might be able to get tailored on short order. Hmm. So it looks at you for a second, looking up and down. I have an example of what I'm looking for, but it is a few years out of date and small. Hmm? Do you want an example of something you're looking for, or do you want something that will look good? 
Probably the second. Mm-hmm. Then follow me. Excellent. <laughs> he leads you back to the dressing room. You get back to the dressing room. Strip. All right. <laughs> and he begins to basically he go he goes over you with a fine tooth comb. Um and he does look at what you've brought and he sort of immediately identifies the problem. And as he goes to it, well, um forgive me, half elf. Indeed, sir. Yes, you're a little bit broader and a little bit more well-muscled than most elves can possibly get. So going for an elven cut is not going to accentuate your features. Uh, and he sort of goes through and just sort of like... And basically what he ends up doing is giving... He ends up presenting you with a, with a few different ideas. But largely what he lands on that he thinks would look best for you is sort of this... Errol Flynn through the lens of an archfey sort of attire. Something that very particularly, like, a lot of frills, hugs the ass, hugs the legs. Like, things that emphasize your more human qualities mm-hmm. over... With, with, basically, he's, he's, he's trying to put you in clothes that emphasize the human aspects of you with using the elven aspects of you as accents rather than the main course. Um, mm. Whereas the outfit that you had been using, the Minar finery, would have looked fantastic right. on a pure elf. But you right. are broader and more well muscled than an elf mm-hmm. at this point, um, and so elven face with a human booty, <laughs> kind of. No, um, and uh, elfy got beard. <laughs> and yeah, and, and so so uh, those of you that have played The Witcher, right? The the noble finery that he had in the Blood and Wine DLC for anyone that's played that. Yes. Um, it's sort of in that vein. It's this dark ved- It's this dark velvet with silver uh, accenting, um, with ruffles on all the right places and uh, slightly puffy shoulders. But all of it fits a little bit tighter than it looks like it should, so that every like every place where you would want definition is defined. And as far as coloration goes, is it possible to shift this velvet on short order to a more green? Certainly. Not overtly. We're not talking... My house colors are green, silver, and white. But So the silver accent's perfect. Absolutely fantastic. But What I might might suggest is using the green as an accent and shifting the base more to a white. So the off-white using off-white green accents with silver highlights. Absolutely. And uh yeah, he will basically he'll he will very quickly uh turn around and he doesn't use a lot you notice he doesn't use a lot of magic. Mostly what he has he seems to have enchanted tools, um, which which sort of helps speed along the process, but very, very quickly um he is able to pr- you know produce a secondary version of this, which is white, you know, white main, silver and green, you know, uh, 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 silver highlights, green accents, um, and paired with, sort of to, 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 to contrast the white, paired with darker leather boots and gloves. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, so he will, and he will say, you know, for this, he can, he can, uh, he has the material to make multiple of this, if you would like a second one. Um, but uh, the first one cost is going to be... It's, this is mostly made from scratch. It's going to be a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is going to be... 
Where is the thing? Why can never refine prices when I need them? Because that right? would make it too easy. Yeah, it would. Um, there. Uh, so that would be about 20 gold. Sold. All right. Yeah, you now have very fine, noble, like sort of formal wear. And uh, if you'd like any accessories, we certainly have some of those as well. But um, if uh, if you're looking for something of a bit more um, uh, uh, if you're looking for something with a bit more flair, I might suggest going to the uh, Chapo Cabana. Uh, it's just across the street and down the down the ways. Very well. And yeah, he'll poke his head in there and see what they have. Yeah, the Chapo Cabana is basically a, it's an accessories uh, place. They primarily they primarily uh, sell very nice hats, um, but and and like for a, for like a formal outfit is definitely like they would suggest like a a pinned up one side, broad brimmed with a feather. Uh, so the feather matching the feather matching your family colors and the hat matching the darker leather of the, of the gloves and boots. And that, at that point is when Ghent is going to ask uh, expertise opinions on, okay, but I'm ma- getting married on a ship, which is usually windy. How is this going to fall in? And this is the perfect accoutrement. Have you not seen? Uh, this one is definitely going to be French. This will be the perfect accoutrement. Have you not seen <laughs> that all of the fanciest ship captains wear very nice hats? Yes, but how do they keep them on? Well, through skill and luck. You see, the best captains are skillful and also know how to read the tides. I mean, he's proficient in water vehicles. Maybe he'll maybe he'll roll with that. Sure. <laughs> what can he get for ten gold on a hat? Mm. Mm. Ten gold is the price. Spend <laughs> half as much on the entire outfit as you do on the hat. Hey, how about that? Hat. Is not oh. unusual. Yeah. <laughs> there are definitely yeah. hats that are. There are definitely hats that are more. There were hats at Disney World that were more expensive than this shirt that I'm wearing, which was not cheap. I, as a as a balding middle aged man, I routinely wear hats that cost more than the rest of my outfit. <laughs> Yep, he'll he'll definitely go for and, the uh and the, Craig, the half and cock. Craig Springs for the propeller too. That's extra. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Gotta get that thrust. <laughs> yeah, no, you can spend ten gold on a hat. Alrighty. Excellent. Get feels Just real quick. No. <laughs> you get to pick one. Are you also going? I to am go- so ex- I am so no engaged in what is going on right now. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> curious. <laughs> I know school's out, but I know you still can count to one. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's that man. Several hats. <laughs> have been behatted. Podcast listeners. Amazing. Uh, for those for those for those that don't for those that are listening to the podcast and not watching this lovely video, A, you're really missing out. B, Craig's child came in and put multiple hats on his head. <laughs> Magnificent. The best. It looks great. They're my hat. <laughs> yes. my, They're all his hats. My child is clarifying that none of these are theirs. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Oh yeah, no, there's more hats than I thought there were. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's a sentence. Anyways, are you also going to test your guns out underwater? Yes, because he's not actually putting any of this on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And at that point, yep. Mm -hmm. So when you go to test, you do find, just as you expected, the while transformed, the finger of the profane has no difficulties because it's a ray. Um, okay. In gun form, they both shoot, they both, uh, are their distance is halved. Their range um, is halved, okay. You don't have long range, basically. You're oh god, it's a head catastrophe! Um, <laughs> okay. Any, anything beyond anything beyond long range, anything beyond short range while firing underwater, you just miss. You just, um, yeah. You don't have disadvantage like you would while swinging a weapon, but right. You you do miss if it's beyond short range. Okay. For your pistols is not that short. It's thirty feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's 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 pretty good. That's pretty good range in general. Yeah. Like. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, you do find that uh, the Emperor's virtue fires fine underwater because its bullets are cartridges, not loose powder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay. And it doesn't seem like it cares about the lack of uh, of oxygen because it's a magic. Pistol. No, because the and because it's a cart and it's a cartridge. The oxygen yeah. is in the cartridge. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, the and the finger of the profane uh, also doesn't care because it's uh, doesn't well, use it's powder. It spits teeth. Spits right. Teeth. Yes. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Fantastic. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. So it, well, he feels a little better about that. If you wanted to get something that would work a little bit better than like a thrusting weapon, like a trident or a spear, would be a better option because you would be able to, you would be able to throw those at their full at their full range. But mm -hmm. then you'd also be throwing them rather than shooting and etc. Right, and then you have to and go you'd be pick using them up again. That probably is not a plus two or plus three magic weapon. You are yep. confident that you would be able to basically not throw your hand axes underwater at all. Oh yeah, because mm -hmm. they have to spin. spin. <laughs> <laughs> Swinging with hand and swinging the hand axes would be difficult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's just gonna stick with his pistols then and get comfortable being a little closer than normal. Oh. Uh, so Ghent comes back with an oil cloth wrapped package, a and hat box, and damp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think have to if, fight so many fish for these for this formal wear. If if, if Titania is already wearing her wedding dress and presumably Ghent went out to go and get something for the wedding, Valdeth will probably have changed into her wedding outfit by this point. But um, which is uh it's actually her father's wedding attire that has been tailored that has been retailored for her. Oh man. Um, which is uh, the the house the house stone beard colors are black gold and are black gold and violet. Um, so it's it is it is very much a um, it's not a tux because this is it's a dwarven outfit. It is very much a like uh, a tailored robe. Um, but the it's it's a it's a it's a unique. Uh, cut that is very much designed to accentuate the 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 musculature of the person wearing it. Um, the most prominent thing that stands out is the fact that there is a gap between there like the it has it has shirtless sleeves in that there is there is a gap at the at the shoulders where there's just the, the shoulders and biceps are exposed and then there's there's like a golden collar on the forearm that then has the sleeves that go out to the wrist. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Detached sleeves, yeah. Yeah, um, just to just to show off the musculature of the person wearing the outfit, um, there is uh, like the the uh, the upper 
portion of the robe there the 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 clasps are studded with um with rubies very similar to the armor that valeth initially wore when she at the beginning of the campaign um and then the 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 belt that sort of holds everything together very similar again to her armor has like a stylized dwarven face just like on the on the on the clasp of the belt and then the the primary like center center mass of the robe is violet with the with the the stone beard like stone fist clenched into the uh right around center chest um and then the like black uh exterior co- exterior columns with golden trim on basically everything all of the all of the accent work is gold um and then there's plenty of like dwarven filigree along the sleeves with like rune like uh inscribed runes along the along the cuffs and um uh like a series of different um like clan markings on most of the on most of the buttons and everything i'm gonna have to do figure out a way to do like wedding attire minis for the three of you and just like put a little <laughs> anyways <clears throat> while they're while the nobles are getting their dressing together and things uh sin what are you doing I have no fucking idea. I've just been enjoying this. <laughs> um, if if I might suggest, Grumman has certainly said to Greta, informed Greta that. Um, please remind me of your dwarf form's name. Uh, uh, Jackson. Jackson. Uh, that Jackson is uh, is now an investor in a in a Belmender family business, and so you are probably being like plied with additional like post-breakfast treats and drinks and so forth from both Grumman and Greta. Okay. It's like finding yourself in a little bit more food than everyone else and a little bit more in the way of drinks and niceties. A little weirded out by that. That was literally just buying... I was literally just buying a problem away, but I'll tell I'll accept it. Um... Oh, I forget what it was. Uh, yeah, it was a priest. You were looking for you were looking for a priest of uh, Dagoth in this area, weren't you? For uh, your yes. search into both the Reaper and uh, the First Death. Yes, I couldn't remember where. I I I think when I believe the note is that they're somewhere in the Shattered Lands. Oh, okay. Yeah, correct. That's true then, yes. Well, that 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 there, which technically Siegel is like on the edge of. Is okay. Like, um, but it, it also was like that was where a priest could be found. Yeah. I believe you could uh, well, theoretically find other partic- priests. I believe. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'd asked at some point. Yeah, so, that is an priest of Dagoth can help can help summoning reapers from the shattered lands. Uh, uh, also maybe apotheosis. Yeah, because that was that was uh, I believe you your mother knew about that. Yeah. Uh, no, that was one of the things that we learned from the library. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. So, if you wanted to, if you wanted, to, like, yeah, if, if those of you that aren't, you know, playing dress up would like to follow up on any leads while you're in while you're in Swiggle, there are like lots of people that travel through here. It is a tourist town. I mean, it's not a horrible idea. Um, if. The, for the first hour after breakfast, uh, 
would since it's in the same kind of it's not on the list for flying familiar but would i be able to get a flying uh, change shikar's form into a flying snake since owls don't really do well in water if not um just a regular poisonous snake um yeah not a flying snake okay yeah i'll just turn him into it'll he'll kind of look like <laughs> a cracked burning log uh that same flammulated pattern yeah. and a bit like a, a water viper I mean, and you're also going to be on a boat for a while, so having a bird isn't the worst thing for that until you get to where you're going in the water. I mean, flying snake isn't any weirder of a, of a familiar than a tressum. Yeah, but that's it's... the thing. Is that you can't just summon a tressum. You have to find a tressum and make it a familiar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same thing with a flying snake. Well, you could do it, absolutely, but it's just like you'd have to find one. Yeah, then he'll, he'll just uh, swap Shakar's form, or, yeah, Shakar's form into... Uh, I mean, did you want? Did you want to like look at like a look around for like a pet shop for something you could make into a familiar? I mean, yeah, because uh, he was going to go out and check, uh, follow up on a few of those leads. I mean, while everybody, I sense I sense a seventeen episode side quest <laughs> right here to yep. find a flying snake. Might if he says there. he's going out, Vespia would offer to come with him. Yeah. Actually, a flying snake isn't even a weird creature type. It's just a beast. Yeah. No, no. Like flying, flying snakes are not, they are, are perfectly functional. Uh, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for one while we're out and about in Swiggle because he does want to also, he needs to find an expensive jewelry box made of stone and metal. How expensive? At least 400 gold. <laughs> you can absolutely find that in Swiggle. All right. Um, uh, obsidian with like the cracked gold veins, mm-hmm. some silver inlay. <laughs> Does it say I'm on to island time on the outside? <laughs> it can. <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> I'm just picturing like it is, it's, it, it costs that much. But it is definitely not worth that much because you're picking it up in like a, a tourist tchotchke shop. I feel like it needs to say it now. I mean, that the, you can get either way. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna force that on a player. We're <gasps> buying a thing, but when you open it, it plays whatever our knockoff version of "It's a Small World After All" that played in the the Swepcot Center. That no, I, I don't want to buy something. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to buy something I'll immediately use to disintegrate on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, but what if it plays Fantasy Copacabana instead? If it plays anything, okay, Aww. fair enough. Fair. But besides that, um, if if you can, uh, what kind of shop would sell like miniature figurines made of made of stone? Um. Any, any sort Hobby of like shop, a, gaming shops, any, any any sort of like <laughs> sculptor, like there there are a variety of sculptors in Swiggle that will sculpt things out of any material. Um, so it's very easy to find someone that can make. Oh, okay, s- then yeah, uh, he'll he'll Damn keep it. an eye out for one of those as well to mm-hmm. just pick up like a handful of uh, like miniature figurines of generic, like basically uh, warrior chess pieces. Figure Swiggle Um, has to have like a gaming shop and then they go the popular game is like 
it's set in a world where there's only the there aren't all these other other elves and it's just humans um and it's some weird techno society where yeah cubicles and co-workers yeah basically (laughs) right yep humans and humans and households so while you're out looking for things no no it's just called better homes and gardens (laughs) one of the things you find uh is a it's a store called um it's a store called flights of fancy uh and it seems to be some sort of like pet boutique and the thing that catches your eye primarily is that um, in one of the windows, there is just sort of hovering there this purple cat. And I say hovering there because it is a forearm, all four limbs are sort of hanging down below it floating about five feet off of a, off of a cushion that it may have been laying on at one point. This long serpentine purple cat with darker purple stripes on it. And three yellow eyes, each with cross-section pupils, that are staring at you. Is Two long ears that have, yes. uh, that have sort of like uh, metal piercings in one, in one side of it. Just staring at you. Welcome to Swigdale. Creature. Uh, make a nature check. Nature? All right. Can I make that as well? Yeah, 18. if you want. Mm, I know nothing. 18. So this is what's referred to as a psycat. Um, it is... They are natives of the ethereal plane um, that occasionally just sort of shift between planes and uh, end up stuck in in planes that they didn't intend to. This one seems to have ended up stuck in this shop. You're not certain if it's actually meant to be for sale because it's far smarter than, like, Psycats are insanely intelligent as far as animals go. Um, and they are often sought after as, like, if you're able to bargain with it successfully, they make very, very potent familiars. And you, as you're sort of like, as it's caught, your, as you've caught its eye, or as as it's caught your eye, you hear in the back of your mind, telepathic purring. Look around for tuna. I'm just gonna. <laughs> Uh, it seems something about you seems to have caught its interest. You are wearing the Mage King's regalia right now. That might be it, but... Yeah. Um, okay. It's And it's just floating outside of the shop? No, it's, it's, inside the, it's inside the shop, inside a window, floating about five feet above a pillow. Okay. Yeah, head in. Um... You had in, you find the proprietor. I'm nerved at the at the purring constantly before I even get into the building, but yeah. You find the proprietor sitting at mm-hmm. the ca- sitting at the counter with this like sort of glazed over look on his face. Make an arcana check. Twenty-eight. 
25. This this person has been like they are not here right now. They have been magicked into a point of like they're in their own little world. And you notice that the cat has turned to look at you. Yeah, addressing the tickling purring in the back of my head. Is this your doing? I'll say out loud and turn to the cat. The cat. He's just looking around at that. Yeah, Vespia. So that's the first thing you've heard, like spoken out, is that. Yeah. The the cat stretches, does a big stretch in midair before doing that thing that cats do where they sort of shake their entire body from tip to tail. Uh, and then the purring just sort of like dip, like sort of uh, peaks and then dips back in intensity and you get sort of a positive affirmation from that. It seems almost, it seems proud of its, of the, of, of the mental destruction it has wrought on this individual. Yeah, it, Psycats don't push cups off of counters, they push psyches over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you end up here? And he'll just start walking over there because obviously the proprietor's not really going to be any help. <laughs> um, how did you end up here? Are the other, and, and as he's walking past, He's going to make sure that the other animals aren't, like, starving or anything like that. No, the other, animal, the other animals are perfectly content. Most of them seem to be sleeping. Um, okay. The, those that are awake seem to be ignoring the presence of the Psycat entirely. Um, but no, that doesn't seem... You don't, th- you don't think that that proprietor's been out for long, just that it's very recently. Uh, the cat sort of tilts its head continues to purr for a bit, looks out towards the, looks out towards the, uh, the sign, and then just sort of floats towards the window, phases through the window, gestures at the sign, phases back through the window, and floats back to where it was hovering. The sign, which, again, reads, Flights of Fancy. Yeah. So it just showed up for shits and giggles, probably. Uh... I'm just gonna send it. Uh, oh, would you like to hear a story? And then I'm just gonna, if it affirms, I'm just gonna send it you, mental images over you, the past. You've never seen a cat raise an eyebrow, but it raises one. <laughs> I'll send it mental images of basically the general situation that we're finding ourselves in, and. Would you like to see how it plays out? Give me either an animal handling or a persuasion check with advantage. Oh, I'm so great at both of those. But I'm slightly better at animal handling. <laughs> All right. I'm going to use an inspiration. But you have advantage. Yeah, you have advantage. Also. Oh, okay. 15. There you go. You want to use an inspiration still? Yes. Why not? Fifteen. Saving face. There's Vespia there for an extra plus one. Make it sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Craig is distracting me. <laughs> um, 
it seems intrigued. It doesn't seem like it's fully on board with like anything other than an observational role. But something about you has intrigued this cat. And it blinks away from wherever it's at and then reappears hovering just to the side of your shoulder. With that constant sort of mental purring in the back of your head. Well, if you would just like to observe, you are free, more than welcome to. Uh, and he'll turn to Vespia. Perhaps we should leave. I think the sooner we... Uh, Is it following exit. us? Uh, we'll leave for now. But for the well-being of the individual behind the counter, I think it's best if we go now. All right. And he'll mage and the door open and head out. And yeah, and then the cat follows you. And as you leave the door, you watch as the cat turns and sort of looks back, <sighs> and the door closes on its own without you mage handing it. As the door clicks closed, you watch as the, the person inside, the proprietor inside, just had, suddenly sort of startles as if they had, they had just woken up. And it's like, before looks they around notice, very quickly. And, yeah. Before they notice, I'm going to use Vortex Warp to warp the pillow that it was floating over underneath my arm. <laughs> yeah, easily done. There's, a, there's an amused purr in your brain at that. Uh, and yeah, the next time you all see Ithram and Vespia back at the at the Belminder house there is a purple a, a varying shades of purple floating cat just hovering at one side that's oh. our ithram insane arcane power what do we use it for stealing home decor <laughs> um, on the way back you he can draw all sorts of extra di- you know what I'm not even going to make the joke too late. Uh, I'll ask if it has a preferred name that it goes by on the way back. Um, hang on. Please let it either be just cat or something like Tibbins. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Actually, Brigglesworth. It's, it's actually it's Felix. It's okay. of worlds. He's also <laughs> named Ithram. Well, this is awkward. Well, one of us is going to have to change, <laughs> and I get the feeling it's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the in Slack, I have put not that one. Uh, in Slack, <laughs> I am putting the image of Felix. <sighs> Wonderful. Ah, yes, good old three-eyed cat. Yep. Three-eyed hovering snake cat. You can't find hypnotoad. 
So yeah, you all, you yeah, there is this. Uh, so yeah, you know its name is Felix, and it seems intent to observe you for now. Okay. Uh, I will. When that, I get back, I'll introduce everybody to Felix. Yeah, and and as and again, as a as a as a as a uh, as a mage, psychats are incredibly sought after familiars. So yeah, <laughs> uh, uh will. I don't know. Uh, he's going to be acting a bit more. Just a teeny bit more formal in front of the cat for the like until uh, he'll be a bit more polite to the to the cat than he would just like a general summon. Yeah. So yeah, you are all introduced to Felix, the floating uh, blue, uh, floating purple side cat. Aw, it's adorable. I'm gonna try and pet it. Fascinating. Make an animal handling check. Okay. That's the thing that just happened for oh. sure. Yep. Fourteen. Fourteen. While Titania is trying that, uh, it'll let you pass. Step up next to Jack. Uh, uh Gent. Jack. Uh, step up next to Gent, and kind of be like, "Yes, this is." He'll, he'll kind of fanboy for a second. That's. Also... I'm very interested to see what sort of possibilities will be. Look, even if this turns out badly, take notes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Nothing else already. <laughs> At the moment, the cat is like uh, hovering back and forth under Titania's outstretched fingers to get it at a really particular spot in attack. <laughs> oh, Bludge. What does he eat, Ithram? That is a good question. <laughs> do, we, do we know what Psycats eat? Nope. So Ghost sad. tuna. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no one has Get. No, one, no one that hasn't been able to make it make a Psycat there familiar has ever spent an has ever spent a long amount of time aware of a Psycat. So it's it, it, no one knows what they eat. If they eat. Right. come over sure. with a bit of smoked herring and see if there's any interest. Make an animal handling check. All right. Gent's going to shift the visor into the ethereal plane and see what's around this cat. I mean, just out of sight, in a sense. Nothing. <laughs> all of the all of the ethereal creatures that you're used to seeing, sort of like swarming around, have booked it. Got a predator. <laughs> if I had to guess, it eats years off your life. <laughs> Uh, with a 20, Grummond. So it's just like a normal child, eh? <laughs> with a 20, Grummond, you, you sort of offer the, 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 the fish, and the entire plate hovers up into, to its eye level. Uh, some, some utensils that were stored on a table somewhere else come flying over, and it uses a fork and knife psychically to cut and eat the fish. <laughs> Delightful. Well, little friend, there'll be plenty more of that where we're going. And then sort of licks, you know, licks its jowls. The purring intensifies it through. I'll pack up a cask for us. None, for, for the rest of you, this thing is completely silent. Like, except for the except for the basic noises it makes when it eats, it hasn't 
you haven't heard a single purr, a single sound, a single vocalization. It hovers, so it doesn't sound like it doesn't make any noise when it moves. Uh, it didn't make any noise when it psychically grabbed things. Ithram, you're just hearing this constant purr. Oh, Ooh, so I like did. To, I did it's like Grumman tinnitus. Didn't hear... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Craig. I was just asking. So, did Grumman hear the purr when it was eating, or no? Nope. Okay. But if you look over at Ithram, he is he is just like just thumbs up. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Uh, I'll, I'll get you two casks. They travel well. Well, sort of. Hey, they'll be fine. And I will go and pack up two casks. And I would, if if there's a chance at, well, no rush on this, but I, I would like to talk briefly to the three soon-to-be newlyweds. Does anyone else have anything they would like to do with the side cat, or can we, do you want to hop straight to Grum and talk to the newlyweds? Or soon to be? Right. I'm good. <clears throat> Go ahead, Craig. Um, is there is there a chance before we pack up on the ship where I can? Yeah, absolutely. The, oh yeah. The three of them. Okay. Um, Grumman comes in, um, and I, I would imagine Greta is either with him or nearby, um, and he has. Um, three little boxes um and he says i i just um well we're we're, we're excited uh, uh that you all are, are choosing to uh to finish this work while you're with us and uh you're gonna let them to take care of it and uh i i know we're all steel hearts but uh as i've as i've said before I like to think of all of you as as, as bellmenders as well. So if if you'll let me, I have uh, just a little something for each of you. Um, I'm not sure what your customs are, and of course, if this doesn't work with your customs, that's perfectly fine. But uh, these are some customs of our own when a, when a bellmender gets wed. And he goes up to uh, Baldeth and pulls out a um, the box and and hands it to one of the boxes for the longer longer uh short box and hands it to Velvet. I'll have to take it and open it and see what's inside. Um inside is a um fairly fairly plain looking utilitarian, very well worn with a wooden handle and just a um almost black metal head like a pewter smith's hammer. Um and um it says this is uh, one of the many, many uh, hammers that uh, earned, us, earned us our name and that get passed down. Um, it's often worn to help hold up the hair but uh, or, or to secure particularly tricky braids, but um, you could use it as a pin uh, if you like or use it to keep your two... Uh, uh, your, your bride and groom to be in line, however you choose to to see fit. But uh, and then that's lovely. Valda says so she sort of like thinks for a moment and then slides it into like the joining part of her braid at the back of her head. That looks very smart. That does. Um, and then he he moves down to Ghent and hands him a, a very small cube shaped box, uh, just about an inch on each side. Dental grin and pop it open and look at the contents. Uh, there are there are cufflinks with very small uh, copper bells. 
Um, you know, I was looking for links and I completely slipped my mind once I saw the hats and he'll, cause he's gotten dressed now as well, just at least to fit on and he'll just shoot his cuffs and pop them right in. Hmm? Um, and there is a um, sort of, as you're putting them on, there is a faint sort of chiming and Grumman says, um, if you'd rather not have the noise, you just touch the underside of the cuff just so, uh, and he'll reach up and sort of indicate on the other side, and, to, and that will that will uh, hold the the clappers in place. Uh, or if you'd like to have just a gentle chiming, you touch it again and let them go. Uh, Ghent will turn off the right hand one and leave the left hand one ringing. <laughs> they were uh, um, they were my my great great grandma's. Um, journeyman's project and uh one or another bell mender has always worn them uh, as we've gotten married through the centuries so as you might imagine they've, they've seen their share of wear but uh still ring just as clear as they ever did you honor me greatly girl. Uh, and then he will move on to um uh to to tanya grumman and uh We'll hold out a sort of uh, uh, another b- box similar to the shape that he gave to um, to Valdeth. Open it up. Uh, and inside there is a uh, golden sheaf of grain, uh, an actual sheaf of grain, but but glittering and golden as though it is it is grown of the metal. But you touch it and it feels like plant matter. He says, ever since uh, parts of my family, myself included, started brewing, we've used, um, we've developed and grown uh, Belminder barley. And he points to uh, his arms and that geometric, his magic tattoos are in that sort of geometric barley pattern. I'll wear a little bit of it and take it with me everywhere. Um, uh, this particular sheaf has been blessed by the Lady of Grain, patron of the city. So, if you care to wear it in your hair or, or keep it with you, or put it in with a great many of its friends and brew it into a vat of something strong. However, you choose to uh, to use it. I just want you to know that uh, a bit of a bit of my home and a bit of my heart uh, will be with you and be with all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. And she'll uh, weave it into her hair as well. So it like sticks out kind of like Ghent's feather. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And uh, Ghent will step forward and throw his arms around Grumman and give him a genuine hug and lift him off the ground a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he squeezes back. You have a magnificent family. Well, I won't hold your hubris against you, but you're talking about yourself now because you're part of it. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, uh, sort of running a palm as, as Ghent sets him down and kind of runs a palm over his eyes. Well, I, I'm sure you all have a, a bit of something left to do. Um, we, we'll leave you. Come on, Greta, let's go. Let's get packed. And uh, sort of turns and sort of again, like, 
clearing his eyes. So, all right, let's get this going. Let's go. And uh, bustled out of the room. Greta's just got the biggest grin on her face, mostly because she's enjoying all the all 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 the all the schmushiness, but also because Grumman cries at every wedding. Oh, all, like constantly, <laughs> even, <laughs> even ones he's not invited to or attending. <laughs> he like sees a procession going down the exactly, street. Exactly, just. Oh. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but I hope they're gonna be happy. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, <laughs> at, at like random receptions in Swiggle, the people's like, he's not even part of this family. He's just like, I just want you all to be happy. I'll go. <laughs> is he carting he's off the, my guard? weirdo who crashes the wedding and not the reception. Right, exactly. That's perfect. Uh, so, with a, a few new gifts and a new series of outfits, um, a goal on the horizon and a new companion. Uh, the Steelhearts go out to the continual reconstruction. As you step aboard off the docks onto the galleon, you notice that it is, it's not the biggest ship, but it is certainly on the larger side from things that you've previously experienced, at least as far as above water sailing ships go. Um... And sort of as you as you're uh, uh, on a board, you all see now a, a collection of individuals that make the ship run. Uh, you see that there is uh, sort of hanging off of the crow's nest of the middle mast, um, sort of a b- hanging below the crow's nest with uh, with with a tail wrapped around the actual central p- pillar. One on one hand on the nest itself and feet on the mast, uh, the other hand holding that uh, that uh, banner that you had seen uh, in the in the dining room uh, the 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 morning earlier, um, is what looks to be roughly a six foot tall feminine monkey person, um, dark brown uh, dark brown fur all over the body with sort of a more slightly uh tawny blonde for uh uh hair in this sort of wild uh almost fire-like cascade above the head with a uh with a sort of a gold band around the forehead um sort of dark metal uh gold tinged shoulder uh uh, uh single pauldron bracers on both uh, on both hands fingerless gloves um Wearing uh, sort of like basically a leather, like like uh, sort of a uh, a bit of leather strap for modesty on the chest, and then deck pants and no shoes or anything else. Uh, just sort of hanging off the hanging off the uh, hanging off the mast, looks down at you and goes, "Passengers aboard!" As you as you come on, um, yeah. you see a large elephant woman um, wearing what looks almost like sort of a. Uh, uh, sort of a tavern working uh, attire, sort of squeezing her way out of the lower decks. And when I say large, I mean mechanically large. Like, she takes up a 10 by 10 face. Uh, she's sort of, uh, sort of wiping, off, wiping off her hands and, and the faint smell of food coming from below the, below the decks. Um, there is uh, a large crystalline looking woman wearing red and white robes standing up by uh standing up on the uh on the um 
I can't think of the name of the the, the section of the ship where the helm is. Um, standing up on that little raised Luke Decker, the stern. Hmm? Yep. Quarter, yeah. Or quarter deck. Sorry. Yep. Quarter deck. The driver's you. seat. Well, she's not at the helm because uh, Lavenda is at the helm while uh, while she's sort of standing off to one side. She's got this sort of bluish green crystalline complexion into her entire form. Looks almost like a like a moving geode kind of. Um, with a large trident sort of leaned against her, leaned against her shoulder with a sort of a, a, uh, a malachite, uh, squid sort of decorating it, uh, wrapping around the pines and, and down the haft. Um, there is a, uh, series of what seem to be clockwork automatons, most of which are roughly gnome sized and are currently swabbing the deck and uh swabbing the deck and uh loading you know preparing and loading shot in the cannons and and uh you know emptying the gunpowder so that it can just be loaded in and fired without to load the cannonballs later um there's a, a variety of what seems to be automated mechanisms on, like sort of attached to the uh, both the like the cannons, as you see, and also several aspects of the ship. There is a uh, odd-looking elf that's just sort of hovering off to one side, staring at the sky, um, and a few others that you can sort of hear but not quite see maneuvering around below the decks. Uh, as you see this sort of cacophony of activity and hear the call from the crow's nest, Lavenda looks over. All right, well, you're looking nice and uh, lovely, the three of you. Are we ready to set sail, or do you still have some more business in port? I think we're good to go at this point. Do you have a general idea of a heading, or are we just wandering the shattered lands? Uh, heading towards centermost point. thinks about that for a second. Ghent will, at that, pull out a map out of his book and indicate the circled bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it into my my quarters, she says, as she sort of indicates to the door below. You can look at the stairs that come down from the deck that she's standing on, flank a door. Um, She actually walks behind a little bit, kicks open a trap door, and just drops out of sight. Following along. You yep. go into the you go into the doors that she indicated. Open it up, and you see she's there now, uh, having dropped down. You don't see a trapdoor in the ceiling, but you do see that there's a back balcony. It seems like the trapdoor probably drops down to the balcony there. Um, in the middle, uh, one end you see uh, her bed and like her sort of quarters area. It's very like there's a number of trophies, like 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 hunt trophies and variety of like random knickknacks on shelves, and and there's a chest that seems to be full of clothes of some kind. Um, very large bed, and then on the other side there's a table with a sort of a a map carved into it of like sort of a general world map, and then a variety of other like leather bound scrolls that seem to be different kinds of maps sort of attached to it at various places. She indicates the table for you to unfurl your map. You throw it out, mark the location. She looks at it for a minute pulls out a dagger and just sort of slams it into the place where you've marked it to sort of A, keep the map there and also B, have a very visible marker. All right, well. Gent flinches as somebody stabs a fucking map. Good God. It's not her map. (laughs) Look, all of you were doing that when we had a map on a wall and Val was like, can we stop 
putting holes in the Gent map. was right there with you on that. <laughs> Man. But do we want to fly uh, an embassy flag or? <laughs> we fly our own flag in the Shattered Lands when we fly a flag. We don't always fly one. Uh, yeah, are we doing this one for the gold hoarders or order of souls or? <laughs> Depends on who you're paying. I feel uh, like this is Merchant Alliance, but you know. Uh, we're looking for a shipwreck. It sort of like does that, rolls the map out and sort of puts a few weights on the corners as well. All right, well, we've got our destination here. Uh, that's going to be about, depending on, the, depending on the nature of the seas, that's going to be about a week's travel to get to where you're looking at. So, if we don't run into any problems, which means that we are going to run into problems. So, right. let's get you all used to life on a ship, shall we? Any of you sailed before? For long yes. periods of time. I've been on Indeed a ship. we have. Been on a ship, have sailed. As a passenger. I've okay. been have been on ship for for extended periods. I've not operated one. Well, we'll get you acquainted with your quarters and get you acquainted with walking around. Once you feel, if you feel like being useful, feel free. But you've paid for this trip. You've paid for this trip, so most of the work we're going to be handling. And honestly, we're good at it. So, strictly strictly speaking, we spent over a year on the same ship for a brief period at the beginning of the day. This one's. <laughs> Because oh, yeah, the because the because the repeating the repeating day started with us pulling into the port. Yep. <laughs> every time we're very good at docking a ship. <laughs> we're very good at watching other people dock a ship. Well, Gent Gent got proficiency in water vehicles on that voyage, so that's fair. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they they take you down to um they take you down to. Uh, the deck basically immediately below um, the, the 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 main deck is where there's there you find you heading downstairs you see that there's a there's a door that leads to a cargo space there's another there, there's a series of tables in the middle uh, in the middle of this area on top of a larger cargo door uh, and a kitchen area where it seems that someone most someone has been previously preparing some food for the crew. Um, here you find uh, another elf. This one is dressed almost entirely covered in very heavy clothes and has like a series of crates and bags around her <coughs> uh, and seems to be sort of you know uh, adding things up on an abacus and going through some information. As she's leading you downstairs, uh, uh, Lavenda will indicate. Uh, she'll point up first as she as she passes by. Uh, she'll point up towards the person that's still up by the helm. That's going to be Halamarnia, uh, my first mate and priest of and uh, priest of Valkyr. Uh, she's also the ship's doctor. So if you have any injuries or need anything tended to, go see her. Uh, indicates to uh, the elephant woman that's sort of like now sitting on a sitting on a on a chair and carving something. This is Diane, our ship's cook. If you're looking for food or vittles or anything that you need made, talk to her. Of course, you've got your own cook in Grumman, but if he's feeling like sampling some of our more common fare, Dan can help you out. Indicates to... I'm the short order cook that we ever had at the Broken Bell. Jackson. 
indicates to the the simian hanging from the the crow's nest. Uh, there's Paula. She's a lookout, and also our uh, muscle, as it were. Uh, anyone that acts up on the ship gets thrown overboard by her. So, be aware. Um, as she goes on, she indicates to the various like sort of small automatons. These are all the chapters. Uh, they're uh, they're a part of Saga, who you'll meet later. And heads down, heads down below decks. At that point, you see this individual who's sort of uh, dressed up very tightly. This is Soline. She's our antiquarian. She takes care of all the magical artifacts that we find, as well as keeps a keeps a running tab on our treasury. So, yeah, uh, as she says, as she tosses the seventy, the, the small pouch of gold that had been given to her earlier to her, immediately grabs it, catches it out of the air, opens it up, begins counting. There's an infinite number of small pouches of gold in this world. Yeah. And uh, Soline seems to have a large amount of them. Uh, she walks, as she's walking past it, towards the back of this particular level, she indicates two, uh, two different doors that are on either side of a hallway. Um, in here, you're going to find uh, Geiger. This is, the, this is the second mate of the Continual Reconstruction, and also our chemist. So if you need anything... He's the accountant, he counts. I was going to say, that certainly counts for something. <laughs> We're the worst. We're the That's fine. That's fine. Uh, uh, Geiger's the chemist. She can make up uh, any number of uh, formulas that you might need uh, for seasickness, motion sickness, and the like. She also likes to experiment with a few things, so if she asks you to drink something, politely decline. Um... But what if we want to? Then on that, on your head, be it. Uh, and uh, indicates to the other door. And inside here, you're going to find Karma's room. Uh, right now, she's still uh, on the shore, getting a few last supplies. Karma's our quartermaster. Um, takes you back through the final door at the end of this hallway. Inside, you find a variety of hammocks. Here's where you'll be staying. Uh, the continual reconstruction isn't a pleasure yacht, so you're not going to find a whole lot of rooms for uh, privacy, but this will be your quarters for this day. Uh, you'll be sharing it with Maria, uh, uh, with uh, Maria and only Maria. Uh, Maria is our engineer. She takes care of the engines on the ship and also takes care of all the automatons you've been seeing. turns and continues the tour, taking you down to the below decks, uh, to the one, uh, one level further down. Um, indicates, uh, one level down, there is a, what is, seems to be more of a cargo area. There are shelves and with boxes on them, and you, this seems to be what opens. There's a, there's sort of a graded hatch on the main deck that is directly above where those tables were sitting, which is on top of a trapdoor, which seems to be directly above this space. So this is more of the cargo hold. If you're looking for privies, there are two here, one on either side. Points down to the far end of the ship, uh, to the, sort of the prow, towards the prow of the ship, where you can see two doors. Left-hand door is the brig. Maria also spends some amount of time in there, so if you're looking for her at any point in time, feel free. Uh, and other door, that's where Halamarnia's office is. If you're feeling sick, you're going to go there. And then finally, to the last door on the ship, the back end, you see there is just a... As opposed to everything else there that have been wooden doors, this one is metal. And finally, this is our engine room. Don't go in there unless you know what you're doing. And I promise you, none of you do. 
That's fine talk, Captain. Appreciate the, the information. There's the ship. The rest of the crew will be back on shortly and we'll be setting sail. So make yourselves comfortable. And if you have any questions, feel free to voice them. I might have missed in the torrent of information. Did we meet Saga yet? I haven't met Saga yet, no. Okay. Hmm. You also haven't met Maria, who has been referenced, but... Um... In her crimmy grabs. Yeah, you haven't met none of you, but Grumman has met Shiji yet. Um, but yeah, she heads off. She leaves you alone to your own devices. Over the course of the next hour or two, the rest of the crew will come in. You'll meet, and you will meet uh, Saga, uh, who is, she is some sort of uh, automaton. Um, most of you are familiar with Warforge. She seems to be somewhere, something along the line of that, although definitely not made in Taram, um, and not not quite put together the same way. She's uh, She tends to wear a lot of heavy cloth covering, uh, and seems to be the ship's gunner or is introduced to you as the ship's gunner, um, as well as she seems to control the chapters, the smaller the smaller um, uh, automatons, through some connection between her and them. Um, and you'll also, you'll be introduced to uh, Zeramia, who was the elf that was sort of hovering off of the corner. She's the ship's navigator. And finally, Gigi, who's the bosun, uh, uh, who is what seems to be some sort of four-armed uh, praying mantis. That wears clothes and walks like a human. Have we never seen Thrykreen before? Or? Nope. Okay. Uh, Maria, you eventually you eventually meet is a human, um, very much technologically inclined, uh, and Karma is what you learn to be. What's referred to as a Nephilim, half Tiefling, half Asimar, and is the oddest person that you've seen on the crew. Uh, she has sort of uh, this golden blonde hair that flops to one side. On the opposite side, a single protruding horn from the forehead. Some sort of like sort of scaly, uh, resi- scaly texture around the exterior of her face. Um, one eye and part of her face just sort of continually glows the sort of golden radiant light. The other eye is this red uh, sort of slitted pupil with black sclera. Um, and she sort of dresses to accentuate both with a single um, sort of ephemeral wing that is permanently sort of stretched out from one half, one side of her back. Um, definitely the most striking individual that you've seen on the uh, but with that, you have been introduced to uh, the entirety of the crew of the Continual Reconstruction, and as the sails drop, you all feel an electric thrum and a push from the lower decks of the ship as it sets sail off with no wind, but moving at quite a, at quite a brisk pace. And as you are... Oh, was that Jack? Oh, this is going to be fun. And as 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 Gint makes that comment, a small clockwork crab just scuttles past, carrying a hammer. Uh, and as it scuttles past, as the ship sets off, and as you prepare for adventure on the seas and a wedding, or a, or, or 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 death and destruction, depending on what comes first, uh, that's where we'll leave off for the week. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. 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 Goodbye.